0: Well, it's the first day of the week, and I want to remind you of a couple things. Number one, on the first day of the week, the disciples and believers came together. They came together on Sundays, and they enjoyed the Lord's table together. They enjoyed worship and prayer together, and Jay enjoyed getting in the Scriptures together. And when I woke up this morning to this beautiful sunrise and this beautiful beautiful day up here in the Texas Hill Country, the Lord reminded me again, it's the first day of the week. It's a good day. And this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. I want to remind you of something. And it's this. What? Yeah, I'm on. Okay. That's some... Now that is some timing. <laughs> I want to remind you, do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary. And who him who lacks might He increases power. Though youths grow tired and weary, though young men stumble and fall, those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not grow faint. Pray with me. Lord God. We have heard, we have heard, you are the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, and Lord, we have heard your gospel, the good news, Lord, that Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead, and that you offer that to each one of us us as a gift. A gift that we receive in order to become adopted as your children. Lord, we have heard. Lord, we have experienced. And Lord, we still sometimes become weary. We still need your strength. We still need you to intervene in our lives through, as we call out to you in prayer, we need your strength. And so, Lord, even today, as we rejoice in you and as we come to this new day that you've made, let us be reminded that you are the provider of the strength we need. In Christ's name, amen. So where did you learn to pray? A family was having some guests over to dinner one night, and at the table, the mother turned to her six-year-old daughter, and she said, dear, dear. Would you like to say the blessing? I wouldn't know what to say, replies the little girl. Just say what you hear mommy say, sweetie. (laughs) You know where this is going. Her daughter takes a deep breath and solemnly says, Dear Lord, why did I invite all these people over for dinner? (laughs) Amen? Amen? Where did you learn to pray? I learned to pray at church. And at church, I I learned that prayer is a petition. I also learned to pray at home. And at home, I learned that prayer is thankfulness. I learned to pray at my grandmother's house, like I mentioned last night. And there, I, I learned that prayer is a weapon. I learned to pray alone. And in my time with God alone, I have learned that prayer is confession. I learned to pray with others. And oftentimes with others, I learned that prayer can be intended. Now turn with me this morning to Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 13. And I want us to take a final look at Jesus' instructions and what he says to his disciples in the Lord's prayer about prayer. I want us to put a recap on the teaching this weekend, so to speak. But I want us to be sure that we don't miss a few things that Jesus teaches in this passage. One of the things that I want us to be sure to do this morning is to put a definition behind prayer. We've been talking a lot about what prayer is and about the Lord's Prayer. We've been breaking it down. We've been talking about that when we come to God in prayer, we come and hallowed be your name, that we come and we make our requests for provision and for pardon and for protection. But if I was to ask you, tell me in a sentence, what is prayer? Define prayer. What would you say? And so I want to put some definition behind prayer because if you're like me, there's times in your life that you've, taught, you've been taught many things that there is. And in some cases, it may or may not be what prayer is. And so the first thing that Jesus does in this instruction about prayer is that he gives us an injunction in this passage. And it's interesting because the first thing that Jesus says in Matthew 6-1 is Beware. Beware. He says this, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men so to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you will have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. The first thing that Jesus does in this instruction is he gives us an injunction, a ban of sorts, on how to practice our righteousness. Be careful not to jesus says and he finishes it with no reward and so whatever it is that jesus wants us not to do it's important because it results in no reward be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others and be seen by them in order to be seen by them if you do you have no reward from your father who is in heaven and as we look at this passage, we see that there are three acts of righteousness that Jesus is mostly concerned about. And the first act of righteousness is drawing attention to your giving, drawing attention. And, and Jesus, in essence, says that as believers, we are to give knowing and trusting that God sees you. The second thing he says is don't draw attention to your prayers, that we are to pray trusting That God sees you. And the third thing that Jesus says is don't draw attention to your fasting. Fast, trusting that God sees you. And so if you looked at these injunctions and the thrust of them in this passage, I would think one might think that the spiritual life is a private affair. And it is. There is a personal relationship that we carry on. There is a personal discipleship that we carry on. There is a personal part of our prayer life that is intended to be in communion with God the Father. When Paul speaks to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 2, he says, I'm going to pray for you that you may know him and the power of of his surpassing greatness. That you may know him. That word know when Paul talks about that in Ephesians chapter 2 is genomai. Genomai is not intellectual. Genomai is relational knowledge. I know you. I know you. I know you. I know you. Not I know about you. No, I know you. This is genomai. There is a personal part Of our prayer life. Of our life in Christ. That is vitally important. And interestingly. That while Jesus. While Jesus. Gives this injunction. And talks about these things. And he says. Be careful. Beware he says. What we come to understand. About the Lord's prayer. As he goes on and teaches his disciples. Is that. While our spiritual lives is personal, our spiritual lives are not private. Uh, We're intended to be in the community of faith together. And it's intended that we walk together in Christ. Notice as we walk through this Lord's Prayer this weekend, that when Jesus says, here's how you should pray, he says, our father and there's not a singular noun in the Lord's Prayer it's corporate it's corporate The idea here is that while we don't need to be making a show about our religiosity at the same time there is a real time and place that we come together and that we weep with those who weep that we rejoice with those who rejoice that we bear one another's burdens. These lines tell us that prayer is not a private affair. It's a personal affair, but it's intended also to be a corporate affair. And notice that after this, after he has his disciples turn upward to say, Our Father, hallowed be your name. Notice that after this, And only after we turn upward does Jesus instruct his disciples with the four other ideas that we've been talking about. Give us, forgive us, lead us, and deliver us. If we were to look at all this together and try to figure out what is prayer, what is a definition, operative definition of prayer that we can sink our teeth into, that we can jump into that we can go with, I'd say it this way. Prayer ritual spiritual act. It's a spiritual act that positions us before God the Father, that positions us before God the Father in order to praise Him, be present with Him, and practice dependence by appealing to his active role in our lives. Did you catch that? Prayer is a spiritual act that positions us before God the Father in order to praise him. Hallowed be your name. Be present with him. Practice dependence by appealing to his active role in our lives. Prayer is daily, it's dependent, it's deliberate, and it's deliverance-oriented. This is prayer. And so one of the things that we've been talking about a lot this weekend is this idea of dependence, this idea of being dependent upon our Father and being interdependent with one another. But one of the application questions that we have to ask that comes out of this retreat and out of our time today in God's Word is, how do we learn dependence? How do we learn dependence? Well, I was in a fraternity when I was growing up and in college, and I remember in that fraternity, they used to bring us pledges down there to haze us a little bit. You all ever, who's ever been through that? You've been through that a few times, right? Uh, maybe not all of you, but maybe many of you have. And, and In that fraternity, they used to bring us down there, and they'd all be acting big, big shots, and they'd be smoking their cigars. They'd be smoking their cigars, and they'd pinpoint one of us. say, hey, lay, come here. Hey, come here. Hey, come here. They'd take a big old puff they blow it right in our face, right? They'd enjoy their cigar and blow their secondhand smoke in our face, and we were supposed to sit there and take it. we breathe a lot of secondhand smoke that first or second semester in college, right? And while I wouldn't advise breathing, breathing too much secondhand smoke because we know what it can do to you, I want us to observe something about this idea for a moment. I can talk about breathing secondhand smoke all day long. I can come up here with an unlit cigar all day long. I can tell stories about fraternities and how we got smoke blown in our face and we can experience it through story. But you can't breathe my secondhand smoke unless I actually light this cigar and blow it in your face, right? We can talk about it all day long. But unless we actually light it up and blow it up, blow it, we haven't experienced it, right? Uh, Let me illustrate it this way. My son plays the viola. And I would like to learn to play the viola. And I've watched my son play the viola over and over again. I enjoy watching him. He's good enough now that the squeakies don't hurt me too much, right? He's good enough that I can sit and enjoy him playing the viola. But I can watch all day long. I can watch YouTube videos about playing the viola all day long. I can learn about the instrument and the strings and how you tune them. I can learn everything about the viola, right? But what happens when I ask him to give me his instrument? Right? That music that he played becomes... Corrupt when I play, if that, right? That music that he plays, there's no way. That music that the symphony plays, the symphony would never ask me, who knows everything about the viola? The symphony would never ask me to come play. Why? Because I haven't practiced. You see, dependence... Doesn't come intellectually. Dependence comes experientially. And we, as a people of God, need to be independent or interdependent with one another as we learn to be dependent on the Lord. We learn dependence through doing. And there's an important lesson here it's a lesson that God wants us all to see. It's that dependence and interdependence through prayer means that we're willing to breathe one another secondhand smoke and through that experience the joys of victory in Christ and experience the weeping of struggle in Christ together. We learn dependence by doing with one another. And so, prayer is a spiritual act of worship that helps us lean on God and lean in one another. Dependence is learned as we lean on one another, as we come together and as we learn to be interdependent, as we share our joys, as we share our sorrows. We can't learn dependence in our head, we learn dependence. In our experience, one of the places that dependence is illustrated the most is through the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. Because Jesus never instructs us to take the Lord's Supper alone, it's a corporate affair. It is here that we recognize that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. That in communion, no matter who you are, you're not recognized for your worldly accomplishments. You're not recognized for your position. You're not recognized for your title. You're not recognized for your possessions, your car, your house, or anything else. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. And as a matter of fact, in communion, you're not recognized at all. Instead, you are a participant in recognizing Christ and recognizing the work of Christ on your behalf. In communion, we come together all being level at the foot of the cross, all being sinners saved by grace in a corporate way in order to renew the covenant with him. Anybody ever feel like they get saved or that they trust Christ over and over again? You ever prayed the prayer, Lord, please forgive me and save me again. Have you ever done that more than once in your life? I do it all the time. And every time we come to the communion table, it represents of sorts a covenant renewal. Not that we have to get Not that we have to, like, literally trust Christ over and over because we don't. We don't. But there's something for us in this that Jesus instructs us. That he wants us to come together and renew our covenant with him by recognizing the forgiveness of sins that comes through his body given for us and his blood being shed for us. It's a covenant renewal that is an affair. It's a place where dependence is illustrated. It's dependence upon the work of Christ on our behalf being connected to Him and the work of Christ in the body being connected to one another. This is a beautiful illustration of dependence. And yet the Lord's Supper, while being a corporate and a recognizing, a dependent affair in the body, it's also a personal affair. It's also a very personal affair. Because it is here when we come to the Lord's table that in terms of your decision for Christ, you renew that personally with Him. We do it personally in the presence of, of everyone. It's personal and it's corporate. And prayer is just that way. It is both personal and it is both corporate. And it is a beautiful place in the life of the church where we learn both dependence on God and interdependence on one another. And so in just a moment, we're going to pray. And we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. And as we do that, as we do that, I want you to remember that this is a personal affair and a corporate affair that we get to do together just like they did on the first day of the week after Jesus' resurrection. As we come to the Lord's table, we're going to pray and then we're going to just have some instrumental music and after that, we're going to pass the elements out. I want you to know that this is not a wayside table. Uh, You don't have to be a member of Wayside Church to enjoy communion with us today. This is the Lord's table. And that means that uh, as a believer in Christ... As you come to the Lord's table, all those who have trusted Christ for the forgiveness of their sins are welcome to participate. If for any reason you've not trusted Christ before, that's okay. It's okay to let the elements pass by. That's okay. And I want to say just a prayer of blessing over you but who have trusted Christ, we want to take that opportunity to come to this table together. And so, Ali, would you come and pray for us? And after our prayer, we'll pass the elements and go from there.
1: Father God, we... um... We thank you this morning for who you are, Lord. Um, Father, as we look, uh, look back on on the sessions that we've had, Lord, you've taught us about about coming into your presence and um, being reminded of who you are as our father, who is good and who loves us and what that means about our identity and who we are as your children, who you desire for us to be as as men of God. You've taught us about your provision, Lord, and how to um, yearn for you more than to yearn for your gifts, Father, and that everything that we have is a gift from you to be used for your glory, Father. You have taught us about pardon and confession and forgiveness. You have taught us about asking for your protection from the attacks of the enemy, Father. And, and this morning, Lord, you remind us that this Christian life is not intended to be done alone. We're not the islands to ourselves, Father, but that we are intended to live in community, Lord, to have personal time with you, but to have corporate time in prayer with one another, with our spouses, with our families, with our friends, with our church body, and all those spheres of influence that you've placed in our life, Father God. Lord, I pray that as we start to get ready to come off the mountaintop, Lord, that you would help us have help each of us individually have a clear commitment of how we are going to draw closer to you through prayer, both individually and with others, father God and Lord what what a what a precious time to come and and remember you, Lord Jesus. you, you said, do this in remembrance of me. This is my body. This is my blood. Lord Jesus, because of your work on the cross, Lord, we heard of your agony. We heard of your conversation with the Father. Let this cup pass from me. Let this cup pass from me. But not my will, your will be done. So, Lord, we thank you for your obedience. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your work. We thank you for your sacrifice. And we thank you that because of your work, that chat has been closed, there's a bridge now that allows us to come to the Father and say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We are your children. You know us. You love us. And you desire for us to know you and love you and live our lives to glorify your name so that your name would be magnified in and through us. And that's what we ask, Father God. That as we prepare to go back down off the mountaintop, Lord, that you would magnify your name in and through us, and that through prayer, Lord, we would would come before you, Lord, be in your presence, ask for your provision, ask for your pardon, ask for your protection, and do it together with our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.
0: was having the Passover meal. And I love how Jesus takes the ordinary and makes it sacred. Uh, They were eating a meal together, a specific meal, Passover meal. And Jesus, in doing so, He took the bread and He broke it apart. And He gave to each one of them And he blessed it. And he said, this is my body given for you. Take and eat. And then again, he took something that was ordinary. He took the cup and he made sure that all of them had their cups and he said this is my blood that which was ordinary was demonstrated to be remembered as sacred this is my blood given for you for your trespasses for your sins shed for you Take, drink. After they, after they uh, had communion, often they would sing a song. Can you sing good? Can you sing good, Father? Can we do that one. They would together rejoice in what the Lord has done. Men, let us rejoice. This is the day that the Lord hath made. Let's sing together. I've heard a thousand storms. The Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon each and every one of you. As you go home, as you re enter with your families and friends, as you re enter to your work week, may God bless you in all that you say
1: and in all that you do. Amen.